Hello, everybody. I'm Derek. I'm Blake. I'm Alex. And welcome to One Hour One-Offs. Every episode, we will pit a DM versus a player in an epic duel. The DM must create a one-off campaign designed for a single player that takes one real-life hour to complete. At the end of that hour, no matter what, the session is over, and a winner is determined. We have a rotation of DMs and players, as well as settings and systems set up to keep each episode fresh and exciting. So without further ado, welcome to, to One Hour One-Offs. Welcome, dear listeners, back to One Hour One-Offs. This is the second episode. I'm Blake. I'll be DMing for you this session. Alex will be your moderator. Hello, everybody. And Derek will be the player. Hi. For those of you unfamiliar with Call of Cthulhu, or deeper sense systems in general for that matter, the way this works is that all skills or attributes that are tested have a value somewhere between 1 and 99. And when tested, the player throws a combination of two 10-sided dice that will combine, one being the 10s digit, the other the 1s, to give a percentile value. That value is below the attribute being tested to check as a success. If it's above, it's a failure. Sometimes, however, a situation will dictate that the test be easier or harder than the standard value, normal, effectively. And in those instances, I will say, you know, make the check at plus or minus some value, where the value will be added to or subtracted from the skill, not the role. Very important difference. Um... Yeah, why don't, why don't you go into some of the the little things that make this unique, like uh, sanity, especially. Oh, how could I forget? <laughs> uh, yes, so this system has another derived stat besides health that you need to worry about called sanity. And the way that works is when a player sees something significantly unsettling, they try to roll under their sanity value, like a skill check. And if they if they fail, they're guaranteed to take sand damage in a similar fashion as you might normally take health damage. And if they succeed, okay, well, sometimes they take sand damage even if they succeed, but... Yeah. Sometimes you're just rolling to mitigate consequences rather than avoid them. Exactly especially with me. Yes. And I'm just going to I'm just going to butt in a little bit here cuz I'm a huge Lovecraft nerd as well. Uh, Blake and I are both huge Lovecraft nerds. Um, yes, absolutely. Uh, for those of you who are not familiar with Lovecraft mythos or literature, it's very much about making the participant or reader feel hopeless and against unstoppable odds. So there are a lot of situations and mechanics built into this system that are not exactly friendly towards the player but are instead meant to help like really drive home that that uh that sense that being said while i do adore the lovecraft mythos we will not be using it this session so no prior knowledge is needed perfect all right uh last call anything else derek any uh last words <laughs> oh that makes it sound horrible but no <laughs> accurate I think I'm good. Oh, actually, actually, this is my first experience with the Call of Thulu system, so please bear with me. I'm, I'm pretty confident, <laughs> but, you know, maybe I'll slip up. 
Oh, you should you should introduce your character. Today I'm playing Jeff Seiken, a 20-year-old guitarist from small town Connecticut. He's a traveling folk artist who lives out of the van his parents took to Woodstock. So he's pretty much your poorest possible musician. He plays the guitar and has a small following on his music blog. He mostly plays at conventions and geek meetups, but his music's been in a bit of a rut for the last year or so. It's mostly about space and hope, but he also does some more lighthearted stuff, which, to his chagrin, is much better received by his audiences. His biggest hit would be Can an Emo Girl and a City Boy Really Build a Dyson Sphere? from his Peace and Long Life album. He's also got a boyfriend, a tattoo artist in Cheyenne, and two living parents back in Connecticut. A stranger has left him a mansion. It's old and beaten down, actually. But today he's driving up to the old house to hopefully go into some kind of formative musical retreat, like that Emerson guy. Born of playing Darkest Dungeon and staring perhaps too long and too deep at cover art for death metal albums, this session will test the player character almost exclusively mentally, running them throughout a house that remains plagued by an ancient curse. Set in the modern era, but in an area with neither cell service nor internet. In the basement of this home, an old secret buried in blood and bone awaits, a perverse ritual to an unholy god. The antediluvian evil hidden below ground will warp and change both the house and reality itself around the player to confuse and drive them mad. The biggest question this poses is, will Derek find the hints to put a stop to the spreading corruption? Or will he get lost in the tumor upon reality that incarcerates the character and so do mankind to the malicious will of the Eldritch Abomination? Alright, and we will start with you walking up to the door. Alright. Timer has begun. All right. To say the mansion is old would be an understatement. It looks as though it has been here centuries. Perhaps it started as a colonial house made of little more than wood and bricks. And over the years, well, let's just say a couple centuries of human influence and acid rain have done the structure no favors. Oof, does it look like structu- structurally sound? It's, is, is it's structurally be like sound, head? but it's rough. The win- A few of the windows are boarded up, some of the others are cracked. The roof is broken in places and sagging in others. Mm, but can Jeff poke around without the thing collapsing? Oh yes, yes. Alright, he's gonna try the door then. The door is locked, but... With the notice you had inherited this place, you were given a key to it. Alright, I'm gonna take that key out then, and use it on the lock. The lock is old, of an old, of a much older style even, and rusty, but after some trying, it eventually gives, and the door creaks open to reveal a foyer that has not seen proper maintenance in a long time. The furniture is discarded in disarray, old, moth-eaten, and covered in dust. There's a room on your right, two rooms on your left. Um, the two rooms on the left take up that entire, that entire wall, effectively. The one on your right, a little under half the wall. 
and on the back and at the back of the floor is an old and weathered spiral staircase. Huh. Okay. Um I'm gonna stick my head in that room to the left then. Uh which one on your left there too? Oh, excuse me. I'm gonna stick my head in the one room to my right. Alright. So, despite being covered in dust and seeming as though it hasn't been used in at least decades, you can still clearly tell that this room used to be a library. Used to be, so are there like any books left around? Yes, after skimming through for a little while, you eventually come across one book that, or well, a piece of a book that remains legible. Question is now, do you speak Latin? Not, not even a bit. The only Latin phrase that Jeff knows is ad astra per aspera, and even then it's just because he needed it for an album title. <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah, um, well, I'm afraid that without any knowledge of Latin, you are unable to decipher the paper. Mm, unfortunate. Well, how, how's the floor looking in this room? Is it, like, as cluttered with, like, broken furniture and stuff? Um, no, but that seems like a little more because the furniture in this room beforehand was, you know, maybe a desk and a couple chairs. Okay. Hmm. Those, however, are not in great condition. Okay, yeah. No, Jeff's got blankets. He'll mark this in his head as a possible room to, like, sleep in. And head back into the foyer. Alright. The foyer. Okay, um, there are two rooms to the left. Jeff is going to head into... Can we call one of them the first room? Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, is, do you want that to be the one closer or farther to the door? Closest to the door, please. Alright, so upon entering, you are practically assaulted with the smell of rotten eggs. Oh no, gross. Despite that, however, you don't actually see any food in here. It looks like this place may have once been a kitchen, but all that's left of that is an old and disused stovetop that seems to be dusted with a kind of yellow powder. Ugh, sulfur. Wait, actually, does Jeff need, like, a science roll to know that? He knows a bit about science, because he likes stars. Um... Do you have- do you have anything in the chemistry skill? Not even a bit. Alright, um, then make me an idea roll. I will, however, perhaps butt in and say that as the moderator, sulfur specifically may be able to be considered common knowledge. You know what? That's fair. Yeah, you, you can reasonably conclude that this is sulfur. Okay, thanks. And thanks, Alex. Alright, Jeff's gonna like spin around so quick and walk out of the kitchen. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe cough a bit, gag, and check out the next room over. Alright. So, this room is interesting, because, I mean, I say that, the house itself is on a hill, but 
-hmm. even with that you wouldn't really expect a telescope to be found on the first floor and huh. is, it, is there a window for it yeah there's a window for it okay sorry yeah. i cut you off no no all good um yeah, there's a telescope on, as you're facing the back, the left wall pointed out a window that, towards its base, is wrapped in hexagonal metal wires. Kind of looks like steel, but it's faded, so you're not 100% sure what it is. And hmm. next to the telescope is what may have once been an old work table that has one very dusty, very yellowed note on it. Um, Jeff is gonna walk over to that table then and try to read that note without actually touching it, picking it up. It's um, kind of gross, isn't it? Yeah, a, a little. It's fairly dusty. Uh, but through that, you can yeah. still make out the single word Yakta. Yakta. Could I get a spelling? I-A-C-T-A. -A. Thank you. Yep. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, is the telescope covered? Uncovered? Like... Um, it, it's strange. It's uncovered, but there doesn't appear to be much dust on it. And as you look closer at it, you can see that the metal wires are etched in something. You can't see what it is, but you can tell that there is something clearly marked on them. Interesting. And, like, you said hexagonal metal wires. Do these, like, resemble, you know, the kind of thing you see around a play playground in modern times, or no? No, not really. It's, it's closer to if someone, it's not copper, but if someone were to take that, like, thick electrical grade copper and bend that into hexagons and cover an area with those i see i see interesting uh jeff's gonna take a photo of that text it to his boyfriend if there's reception up here well, like yo check this out i'd forgotten to mention that this mm -hmm. house is and like the surrounding well this could be how he discovers it too that's fair yeah, this is a complete dead zone. Oof. No internet or cell service of any kind. Unforge. Alright, all the same, Jeff's gonna keep a picture for the blog, the boyfriend, the family, maybe. Fair. Alright, um... Alright, so how's the telescope eyepiece? Is it covered? Can can he look through it? Yeah. Alright, Jeff's gonna wait, make sure the telescope's not pointed at like the sun first. <laughs> yeah, um it's currently focused somewhere off over the trees in the opposite direction of the sun. Uh what time of day is it right now? Evening. Okay, so the telescope faces the east. Oh, wait, no, then I, uh, no, I read my notes wrong. Um, no, the telescope faces west, so it would actually be in the sun right now. Oh, oof, 
Jeff's gonna not look at that till night falls then. Jeff's making all assumption. Right. Mm, Jeff, Jeff lives in a world where he can count on the sun to set. So yeah, he's gonna just spin, walk out of the room, keep exploring. All right. Uh, uh, by the way, up. we are at the mm -hmm. first time interval. Thank you. Is something going to happen? I guess not. Something Narrative Something has happened. You will probably discover it later. Okay. Hopefully. Yeah, Jeff is going to examine the spiral staircase, see how it looks. Um, it's, it's definitely old, but it also seems fairly structurally sound. Alright, Jeff walks up that thing. Alright. So, walking up that, um, first of all, uh, do you stop at the next floor, or do you go all the way up to the third floor? Uh, Jeff is going to go floor by floor, bottom up, so next floor, please. Alright. Uh, there is one room on your left that appears to take up the entire wall, and two rooms on your right that appear to roughly evenly divide that wall. Right room on the left, please. Alright. So, this looks like it, used, it is or perhaps used to be a master bedroom. There's still, like, the, the outline of a bed, even if it's clearly no longer usable. There is an old and faded painting on the north wall and what looks like the remnants of a bar on the south wall. Alright, Jeff is gonna walk up to that painting and take a close look at it. Alright, uh, give me a perception roll of some kind. Um, so just straight up... Sorry, perception? Would this be like oh, spot, spot hidden? hidden? Spot hidden, that's what I was looking for. Uh, thank you. Alright, that is a 16, so Jeff is underneath his 25 skill. Alright, uh, let's see here, let me look at the note. Ah, um, does Jeff know Greek? Not at all. Then Jeff is unable to read the note. Unfortunate. Well, Jeff's gonna take a picture of the note, and then a picture of the painting. No flash. The painting is old and covered in dust. What remains of the artwork is not really visible, but you can see perhaps the vague suggestion of ice flows. Ice flows. Interesting. Okay. And then Jeff's gonna walk over to the bar and check behind it. Alright, so while most of the bar has been slowly destroyed by time, there seems to remain one bottle of hard liquor that has weathered the storm. The label is gone, but you can tell it's hard liquor. <laughs> oh, like just Jeff open it up and give it a sniff? Um, I mean, that's up to you, but like, it's... 
a warm brown liquid that is clearly still in an elegant glass bottle. Okay, does the ceiling seem okay? Yeah, ce- uh, ceiling seems decent, and if you smell it, it smells like um, fairly aged rye. Okay, seems good. Just gonna put that on top of the bar for now. Think about drinking it later. Also consider sleeping in this room instead <laughs> when he does set up camp. Fair and enough. head over to the rooms on the right, and he's going to go to the one closer to the entrance first. All right. You're just about 10 seconds off it being 15 minutes, by the way. 15 minutes? Yes. Oh, then we are one behind. No, I already said the first one. Oh, oh, was that the, was that the ten-minute one? That was the ten-minute one, yeah. Oh, then I'm a, okay, okay. Um, so yeah, I'll just, I'll have that go here. So, what, first of all, this room looks like it was once a study. There's a desk and some notes around you, but as you look at the, at your surroundings, you notice something odd. The desk, the floor, the light, all starts to turn a cold blue. Before you know it, your breath fogs in front of your face, and the floor becomes rhymed with a light hoarfrost. What the heck? Uh, Jeff's gonna back the heck out of that room, shiver a bit. As you leave the room, the hallway too maintains this brief illusion. You see that in place of regular brick-and-mortar walls, they're wrought from carved ice. But, as quickly as the illusion comes, it goes. Roll me sanity. Okay. And that is a 51, which is under... I think my sanity is 55 right now. Alright, take one sand damage. Oh, okay. Alright, uh, right. Alex, you said 15 minutes had passed as well? Yep. Alright, so, just as you thought the nightmare was over, as the cold had vanished from your surroundings, the building changes entirely. Suddenly, you are no longer in a small house in the middle of nowhere. You're in a city, an entire city carved from ice, ringed around a massive central ziggurat, and underneath a sky of pure ice as well. So if Jeff looks up from a window, there's like ice high above him? Well, yes, but you're also no longer inside at all. Oh. Oh no. Um. Um, is there at least, like, any structure resembling the previous house? Like, is there a staircase somewhere? Am no. I on some kind of... No, you are... You're surrounded... There are buildings. It looks like this may have once been a town. But, for the time being, there doesn't appear to be a house around you. Uh, Jeff's gonna, like, close his eyes, open them, make sure... Like, maybe, like, stomp on the floor a bit. 
put his hand on some ice to feel it. As soon as you press your hand on the ice and feel the <sighs> cold burn your skin, mm -hmm. like that, you are brought back to the house in the middle of the hallway. Roll me sanity again. While he's rolling that, uh, I am going to continue to do this for the rest of these, but I'll pause during those descriptions. Okay. So that you okay. can feel free to take your time with them. Thank you. Makes sense. Thanks. All right. I am under my current sanity again. All right. Uh, take one sand damage again. Okay. And once again, you are in that second floor hallway. All right. Um, Jeff is going to not go into the... Well, actually, you know what? Jeff is going to, like, go back down the stairway, like, try to exit the house. He's freaking out right now. The door is sealed shut. Does does Jeff have like the key? Um, you can try the key if you want. Does the key work from this side? Yeah, Jeff tries that. The key fits the lock, but it's you hope it can be dismissed as a quirk of metal fatigue and rust, but the key quickly becomes lodged in the lock. And can, can Jeff get it back out? It will neither turn nor come loose. Oh no. Okay, Jeff's gonna zip into the second room on the left, telescope one, and mm -hmm. try to unlatch the window. The window is also locked shut. Uh, oof. How, how thick is that window? Pretty thick. Um, Jeff's gonna try to break it anyways. Alright, um... Heck yeah, he owns this place. Yeah? Yeah, it's his house. Uh, give me a melee skill roll. Or hand-to-hand. -hand. I, think, I think base chance is 50%. Uh, like, hand-to-hand, -hand, as in it should brawling, be or as in, like, unarmed weapon? Um... Fighting brawl? Yeah. Oh, it's 25. And I rolled a 58. <laughs> yeah, you, like... Oh, my hand. Yeah, you throw your weight into the punch, and your hand just sort of bounces off the window. Hmm. Unfortunate. Uh, Jeff is going to push this roll and try again. Okay. And that is a 28, which still does not cut it. Yeah. Um, Alex, roll d4 damage for him. That is a 4. 2. That's unfortunate. So yeah, you okay. um, take 4 damage from trying and failing to break the window. Okay. Yeah, Jeff's body kind of like crunches up against the window and he feels like something in his shoulder pop and he backs off and he's swearing real hard, you know, grabs his shoulder. Ow. Rick. Okay. He's going to give up on that for now and kind of try to like quickly move through the rooms one by one and like see if there are like any windows that are 
open, so that would be second floor, second. So do you go back first. into the kitchen? Uh. Hmm. Does Jeff remember a kitchen window large enough to exit from? Um. I mean, yeah, I guess the the kitchen would be ground floor. Yeah, Jeff slips back into the kitchen room first. So, where there was a window, or where you could have sworn there was a window, there is now a door. Try the door. Jeff tries the door. It is unlocked, and leads you to the room. It's furnished, but empty. The strange thing, however, is that the furnishings look almost new. (gasps) Mm -hmm. The decor is much the same as the rest of the house, but without much of the wear and tear. And we are coming up on the 40-minute mark. Creeped up, creeped out. Wait, 40 minutes? We are currently at 40 minutes. It's been 20. Sorry. Okay. Okay. Yeah. That's had my me, bad. Had me panic for a second there. <laughs> Bro, Jeff's also panicked. Yeah, uh, so roll me sanity again. Mm-hmm. Also, how is starting sanity calculated while I roll? I've been using 55 because it's on my auto-calc uh, sheet. Auto, auto-calc is probably right. It's power times 5. Really? Mm-hmm. Not equal to power? My power is 55. Oh, okay. Then it is equal to power. My mistake. I've paused while we discussed the rules, by the way. Uh, thank you. Then I'm doing this fine. Well, I came in above my sanity this time. 73 to 53. Okay. Resuming. <laughs> You're killing me here. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'll, I'll let you slide on sand damage for this one. Huh. Okay. Okay. Thanks. Alright, and this room, what sort of room is it? Like, what's its purpose? It just kind of looks like a sitting area. No windows? No windows. Alright, Jeff leaves. Uh, Back up to the second floor, a second room on the left, the one that is... Oh, sorry, second room on the right, the one that is not the desk. And he, like, tries not to even look into the desk room. Where things got blue. Ah, yes. So this room, while the furnishings are currently in shambles, desiccated by age, strewn around the room, it was once a master bathroom, and set into the east wall is a door. Um, from Jeff's memory, like, looking at the outside of the house, would this door like reasonably lead to another room? It didn't that would have look like there should be another room here when you first came up. Oof. Yeah. Jeff's gonna try that door anyways. It's open He's and leads to it, a room. It's okay. another sitting area, much like the first one. Alright, Jeff backs the heck out of it and goes up to the third floor. Alright. So, directly across from where you came from the top of the staircase is a room that appears to take up the entire north half of the floor. On your left, 
is another room that appears to take up a decent chunk of space. There was once a door, you can see from the frame, but inside you can see just rubble. Is, okay, is there a window on the other side of the rubble room? Or even better, an opening to the outside? There is not. Oh, Jeff's crying, guys. Alright, north room. No windows in here either, but this is the most intact room you've seen thus far. Including the sitting rooms? In, okay, no, besides the sitting rooms. Oh, okay, okay. Um, no. This is a much larger, much more well-furnished library. Many of the tomes are old, moth-eaten, and dubiously legible at best. But if you search for the, but if you want to search for them, there are two, um, at least semi, at least semi-legible pieces. Can these be identified at a glance? Like, can Jeff just look and be like, oh yeah, those two look like I could actually read them? Pretty much, yeah. Okay, then he's gonna, like, take a look at both then. Alright, so there's one on the north wall and one on the east wall. Which do you take first? North wall first. Okay. A decent chunk of the ink is long since smeared. But what you can decipher is, and this is a true blessing, actually in English. Nice. Ancient whispers tell of an evil from beyond the furthest stars, an entity which exists only to consume. It is an utterly alien malignity that will corrupt and consume all around it unless stopped. That is the only passage that is legible. Oh, that's kind of horrible. Alright, Jeff is going to look into the other book now. It appears to be a geological report. It seems to say that the soil around this area is particularly heavy in nitrogen, sulfur, and phosphorus. Uh, can Jeff try to remember anything unique about these three elements in conjunction? Um, how much experience does Jeff have with firearms? Firearms? Um, he has the base 20% handgun, 25% rifle shotgun. Eh, uh, I mean, between that and matches, you can guess that, you know, you would know sulfur and phosphorus are both flammable. Hmm. Interesting. You'd have to make me a chem roll of some kind to get a nitrogen connection. Chem isn't even on my sheet. Oof. <laughs> Alright, yeah. yeah. I'm using the- uh, Is there like alchemy or something? Because it's meant to be like 1920s. Oh, yeah. Good point. No, I'm using modern era investigator sheet from the Chaosium website. Ah, that makes sense. What's the closest thing you have to a chemistry? Uh, science, and Jeff has put 50 occupation points into that. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Um, give me a science roll. 64, which is above my 51. 
Oh, sorry, uh, ninety-four. Damn, I did your, I did your last sanity roll wrong. That's on me. Um, so it's above the roll. You, you can't really figure out what nitrogen is doing on this list. Too bad. Too bad. Yeah. All right. I mean, you can this maybe get been... that it means, you know, the soil is good because nitrogen is used in fertilizers, but. Mm-hmm. Well, that's about it. Okay. Scary. There is um, also a stairwell in the northeast corner that leads up. Of this library? Yes. Okay, Jeff goes up that. It is an attic. An old, worn attic. In the southwest corner of it, you see a bizarre statue. It looks kind of like someone molded a bunch of jagged rocks around a human frame, but there's not really a trace of the human frame left, akin to an artist erasing his pencil sketch. I see. And by this bizarre statue is an old and worn journal. Um, okay. Uh, what are the vibes coming off this statue? Is it, like, pretty? Is it, like, disturbing? Can Jeff make it into an album cover? Uh, I mean, I could see it being worked into an album cover. It's... The stone looks somewhere between granite and obsidian. So take that how you will. Mm, dark and kind of weird, then. Yeah. Jeff is gonna take a photo with Flash and a photo without. Alright. This is all on his phone, by the way. Yeah. And then he's going to pick up that journal. Is he going to read it? Uh, yeah. Flip through it. Try to figure out what's going on. Alright, so... About two pages are legible. Do you want to read all of it, or just try to skip through it? Um... Oof. Jeff is going to read all of it, but, like, as he's doing it, he's also going to, like, kind of pace through the house and, like, pass by each room, glancing into them. Okay. He's anxious. Yeah, yeah we're about to hit 30 minutes having passed, which is a 5, a 10, and a 15. Okay. So, as you pick up the journal, the room around you seems to melt away for a moment. Oh, no. And in place of the original of the statue, you see perverse kind of throne a hideous mangled thing that appears to be wrought from human skulls and spines on a blackened twisted dying world surrounded by the inky void there are no stars in the sky oof yikes no light coming from it and as you look in the darkness you begin to feel it looking back at you. You can feel this tide welling up in the back of your mind, and as it is about to crash to a four, you are wrenched back into the attic. Yikes. Give me a sand check at minus 20. Okay. To clarify for the audience, that subtracts 20 from his attribute. Yes. Alright, this is a cool 87, far above my modified <laughs> sanity. 
Mm. Alex, give me d12 sand damage. Oof. Oh no. Alright, that's a three, so you came out pretty lucky there. Alright. Thank you. All right. As you are reeling from that, breathing heavily, perhaps, from the experience, you realize it's not over. Oh no. The room around you has gone flat, blank, and featureless. Save for an altar surrounded by hooded and robed figures. If you look closer, you can see each of them holding, I would say a dagger, but that would be rather disingenuous. The blade seems to be wrought from shadow itself, flickering in and out of reality. You can't see what's on the altar, but you can hear them, for it is clearly a person screaming in pain as each of the ritualists in turn plunges their ath their perverse athames into the writhing figure. Do do the ritualists notice Jeff? They Is do Jeff not. Stuck here? They appear completely enthralled by the process. And as you look at them, you see their shadows growing longer and deeper. The room Oof, itself not brave. seems to flicker and as the flickering starts to come to a head instead of wrenching you to whatever bizarre other world these ritualists were trying to gain entrance to you are at last brought back to the attic give me All another right. sanity roll okay 97 <laughs> beats my sanity by quite a bit hmm. Alex, 2d6. 2d6. That is a 1. And a 2. <laughs> the d6. <laughs> for the, so, we're still paused from the description, but for the audience at home, uh, we were rolling that d6 earlier, and that is the fourth one we have gotten off of it in, like, 10 rolls. That die is cursed. All cursed right. to my benefit. Yes. Yeah. Alright, so resumed. now that we have gone through all of that, as you first I'll describe you pacing the house, then I'll get to the journal. Mm -hmm. So as you peek through the rooms, you can see that some of the rubble from that room has gone, revealing a path that leads to a door. Huh. The study is no longer blue and icy. It looks as it briefly did, just an old study mm -hmm. and there is another door in the um, east wall of the library which library uh, the ground floor library okay now the journal I can feel the essence of this place seeping into my bones and I have come to accept that there is no denying death anymore in the hopes that my successor finds this place, I will chronicle my journey thus far here. I studied archaeology for most of my time in university, hoping that that would mean I'd be going to dig sites around the world, which I eventually did. During my first one, somewhere in the mountains of South America, I discovered a tablet that none of the professors present could recognize. Accompanied with petroglyphs, it was relatively clear that the tablet was religious in nature. It was taken as an historical artifact and kept by the university as a curio, but I was allowed pictures, of course. 
In my spare time, I pored over them as much as I could. I was fascinated by what I had uncovered, and I knew that there had to be more. What I told no one, however, was that I had also found a small rock by the tablet that etched out a rough picture of a throne. I don't know what compelled me to take it, but I did. I slipped it into my pocket and smuggled it back into my dorm room. It was another five years before I found anything else, and it was, as last time, completely on accident. When I found another, similarly etched tablet and rock pair buried in the Syrian desert in much the same way, I knew that I had to be right. There had to be some great significance behind the carvings if much the same set were found on nearly opposite sides of the world. To prove my point, I sold the tablet to a museum to fund a small expedition to Antarctica. I took only a skeleton crew with me, and we made our way deep into the ice continent. The few outposts we passed en route were happy enough to house us for a day, but we always cleared out quickly before moving closer to the South Pole. I'm unsure of what compelled me, but when we at last reached our destination, I placed both of the throne tokens I had found on the ground, and I was astonished to see a crack split the ice beneath us. Stairs carved into the ice led down into a megalithic city that all was carved from solid ice. All of us were both astonished and elated at the find and quickly moved down the stairs. But by the time we had reached the bottom, the way closed to us much as the same as it had been shut before, and with as much trace. The Cyclopean ice structures fanned out on all sides of us, and somehow our instruments confirmed what we all felt. This place was much warmer than the ice would have us believe so we quickly threw our coats atop the rest of our pack and moved into the city proper. There were signs carved into the ground and buildings, all in the same quasi-cuneiform that the original tablet had been written in. And upon closer inspection, we saw that everything seemed to slope upwards into a ziggurat that, impossibly, seemed to curve into the hyperbolic, the higher one looked at, on the structure. Amazed, we started our way up the structure, only to be forced to use our climbing equipment partway up in fighting the non-Euclidean design. When we reached the top of the ziggurat, however, we were greeted with a profane throne wrought principally from human spines and skulls that sent one of us careening over the edge of the stairwell in horror. The rest of us were entranced, and we spent days there, attempting to divine the purpose of the throne, before it spoke to me, bade me kill the others. I resisted but sat the throne regardless, hoping to divine some of its nature thus, and now I wish I hadn't. I was greeted with the leering face of a skull that had its jaws sewn together, fleshy threads ca that cast a sickening incarnadine light over the rest of the face and were pushed through bone that was molded as though made of flesh, set against a black hood and haloed with a pale, baleful light that cocked its head at me as if intrigued more than anything, and then the vision faded, leaving me trembling and drenched in sweat. I immediately called the expedition off, and after describing my vision to the others, we all quickly packed up our remaining gear and made our way back to society. In the coming years, however, the face would come to haunt my dreams, for night after night. Eventually, I gave in, and found pictures of my finds once more, and after days of unending study, I came to a terrifying understanding. It is a mercy that we now think ourselves alone in this universe and all our myriad delusion, delusions of religion amount to our brief glimpses at the ancient and unknowable horrors that await us, that seek us. So it was I came to build this house, a house which holds a small observatory atop a hill in the middle of nowhere, somewhere that I may observe the heavens in the hopes of learning more. It seems, however, that I have learned too much. 
my ritual telescope guarded in warded tungsten wrapped in hexagonal patterns and overlaid in their perverse cuneiform has let me see far too much more than man should. And it was with that knowledge that I made the thing in the basement. The passage I hid under the workbench. The workers who made it and the passage under it were later fed to serve my quest for knowledge. Using dark alchemical rites, I slaughtered them like cattle and bound what I had called into their bones, fused into a hideous throne before a dark altar. Whoever you are, if you have found this, then you have likely found and opened my old chest. This thing must be stopped. Dilute the vitriolite, use that to scourge the thing, then set a flame in the scars left behind. Be careful. The pattern must perfectly decorate the altar with a hexagram perfectly inlaid with a hyperbolic star. This must then be large enough such that a flame to burn away haunted bones that have been purged by carefully chanting De Stellaris Dicieri, Igne Morti Disanem Te, Et Heis Reis Yakto Te Mundo, Iam Troik Ti Eno, exactly thrice while pacing anti-clockwise around them and coating them in sulfur powder. I would suggest you hurry, too. This building is no longer a building. It is a cancer that I, in my folly, have let metastasize to this place. Thus ends the journal. Okay, Jeff is gonna... Yeah, zip all the way down, try the door one last time. The entrance... He's very afraid. Yes. It is locked shut. Alright, he's gonna... Honestly, roll me sanity after reading that journal. 25, underneath my current value of 47. Alright, take one. Also, the next five minute thing passed. Alright. Yikes. Okay. Um, Jeff is going to move into the kitchen. Uh, are there any containers around that he could use to take the sulfur powder? Not that you can see at the moment. Uh, oh god. Um, vitriolite was mentioned, right? Jeff is going to go back up to the master bedroom with the bar. Take the bottle of liquor. Is is this something that is needed? Um, uh, per the journal's instructions? You know that the journal mentioned setting a fire, and it is clearly strong, so it could be used for that. You're right, you're right. Okay, uh, Jeff is going to start carrying that around then. Alright. To use it for fuel at some point container how how do we carry I mean, silver there, there are broken bottles around the bar oh then then jeff is going to grab like the biggest like square bottom large you know flask type yeah shard that he can yeah now and you, use you can, that to you keep can get a decent sulfur amount in. of sulfur powder into you find a bottle you can fit a decent amount of powder into okay um did the journal mention what the hexagram hyperbolic star inside it had to be made of? It said it had to be etched into the altar by whatever diluting vitriolite would mean. You, uh, it also mentioned an old chest, and you haven't seen one of those anywhere around here. Alright, Jeff is going to try the new room in the ground floor library that he noticed earlier. It is just another empty sitting area. Uh, was there any difference between the three sitting areas? No. Oof. Okay. Um, 
basement. Did Jeff see any passages that could potentially have led to a basement? He did not, but uh, the journal mentions the passage I hid under the workbench. Ah, under the workbench. Alright, that's gonna put Jeff in the second room on the left, on the ground floor, yes. where there's the telescope. So, there you are mm -hmm. in the room with the telescope and uh, the workstation. Alright, Jeff is going to, like, look at the note again, uh, look at the workstation, and, like, say, Yakta. No such luck, but roll me spot hidden. Spot hidden. That is an 18, which is underneath my 25. You notice that the ground by the workbench is heavily scuffed. Oh, damn, it's hella scuffed, guys. Uh, oof. Like, as if the workbench has been pushed over it? You could say that, yeah. Alright, Jeff's gonna try and push the workbench over to that patch of ground then. What's Jeff's strength? Uh, my guy has 30 strength. Yeah, um, it takes some doing, but you manage to push the workbench away, revealing an old worn down passageway hewed into the bare ground that leads down phone flashlight into the passage jeff goes all right so you go down an old earthen staircase for a decent amount of time before you eventually come to a crossroads go right both ways are lit with old sconces that somehow, despite their unknowable age, still remain burning. Alright, and 40 minutes has just passed. Alright. As you stand at the crossroads, you can taste burnt meat and smell smoke. Where's it coming from? As you stand there, it becomes overwhelming, choking you, mm -hmm. slowly clouding your vision, until all you can see is thick, black smoke. Alright, Jeff hits the ground, goes prone, tries to get under the smoke layer. Even doing that does nothing to help it. Until a couple minutes later, as quickly as the smoke came, it vanishes. Roll me sanity. 77, above 46. Alex D8. Alright. We're really hitting the, uh the full spectrum. That's a two. Yep. I swear one of these is going <laughs> to roll high eventually. <laughs> Just hit me with that 8d6. <laughs> the uh, the sneak attack sand damage. <laughs> I was thinking a fireball of it, but yeah, that works too. No, I'm just waiting for you to really beef a roll and I can hit you with like 2d20. Beefed it. Uh, <laughs> scary. Yeah. Uh, crossroads. Alright. Jeff gets back up heads down to the right okay you follow this hall this earthway i suppose not really a hallway for mm -hmm. a couple dozen meters until it starts to curve that goes down a little ways until the passage forks again jeff keeps going right dead end goes back to the second crossroads goes left 
Actually, no. Examines the dead end. Why is there a dead end? That's that's hella weird. Um, it's strange. Honestly, it looks more than anything like this was the edge of a cave-in. Can can Jeff kind of like scrabble at the wall? Does that seem like a dumb move? Th this isn't like a cave-in, as in some of the pathways blocked. This is a cave-in, as in like. If you want to try to get through it, that's meter, that's meters upon unknowable meters of solid rock. Okay, yeah, Jeff goes back to the second crossroads. Uh, is maybe a bit more light-footed this time, doesn't want to cause another cave-in, and heads off to the left. You go down this hallway, and for a moment, the stench of burnt meat returns. It's not overpowering this time, but it is distinctly present. Until you come into a room with a couple uh, scrap notes on the ground. One on your left as you enter, the other on the opposite left corner, if you will. Uh, one is northwest, the other northeast. Um, In Northwestern note. In oh, sorry, the center of the room, however, is a deep charnel pit filled with ash-covered bones. Ash-covered bones. Also, we are coming up on the next five-minute and fifteen-minute pops. Okay. So, as you stare at the old and charred bones. The area around you changes. Mm -hmm. Suddenly, you are out in the open, on open ground, but the floor around you is warped and twisted by... Well, you can't exactly identify it until you look up and see a sky singularly dominated by a black hole. Unfortunate. The world, as you stand on it, seems to edge closer and closer, the ground before you continuing to twist and warp under the intense gravity of the black hole. Right, Jeff puts his hand on the ground again. Jeff manages to steady himself for a time, but as he is about to be sucked into the yawning vortex, he is brought back to the basement abattoir. Okay, back to the first fork? Down uh, the left fork. Well, oh, so you you don't even look at what at the notes on the ground. You just leave the... Uh... Oh, sorry, sorry. Yes, <laughs> yeah. I want to look at the notes. Yeah, so the one in the northwest corner... Uh, which one is that? reads as the smoke rose in thick black clouds that shone with a hideous baleful light I realized my many years of research had paid off and the power coveted by the ancients would be mine at last the other is a smudged alchemical formula you can see H something plus S-O something dash 
scratched out plus fire. H something plus SO something plus dash plus fire? Yes. All right. Um, can Jeff call upon his science chemistry knowledge to try and figure out what needs to go into this combustion reaction? Yes. All right. May I roll? Yes. Ah, sorry, sorry. Oh, good. 15. Under 51. All right. So, um, you realize, actually, that this is... Wh whoever wrote this clearly was not much of a scientist, because the plus mm -hmm. fire is rather incorrect. The proper grouping, as you know, should be the chemical reaction as, like, a quantity plus fire. As in that you should add fire to uh, what is left after the reaction. Ah, okay. The reaction itself, however, between looking longer and harder at the paper, you notice to be uh, water plus sulfate to give sulfuric acid. Sulfuric acid? Okay. Do you have like an alchemy or a cult role of any or a cult skill, anything like that? Um Yes, Jeff's boyfriend is a tattoo artist in Cheyenne, Wisconsin. Cheyenne, Wyoming, excuse me. And is slightly into the occult and Jeff's picked up a bit of occulty stuff. Alright, alright, give me an occult role. Okay. Double zero and then a four. So four far under Jeff's 35 occult. Alright. 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 <laughs> so, seeing this sparked something in your memory. You remember mm -hmm. that vitriol was actually the old name for sulfuric acid. Interesting. So this is what Jeff needs to dilute per the journal's instructions? So you can now tell that the instruction dilute the vitriolite effectively means get whatever reagents are in the chest polluted to earlier and use that to mm -hmm. make sulfuric acid. Interesting. Okay. Um, we are also coming right, up on the next five and ten minute pops. Thank you. Okay. Um, is that all the branches that are in the underground passage? Uh, no, there is the... Uh, there's the way that goes off left from the first branch. Right, right, right. Yeah, Jeff backs all the way out and goes left down that corridor. It's about as long as the first corridor, but there's no long, but there's no second split. And eventually, you come to a truly hideous sight. It is a massive pit that goes far below ground and nearly on level with you you can see a massive stone altar and set behind it a throne worked from bones and flesh both of these set atop a massive pile of human remains okay so and on that right. note the walls around you, formerly dirt, 
begin to change before your eyes until they are made of dripping, bleeding, wet meat. Even oh, more powerful than from the pit itself, your nose is filled with a stench of blood and abattoir runoff, overpowering your senses and driving you to the ground. Leaving you there okay. for a couple minutes as meat and blood cover all of your senses, until eventually, like all the rest, it goes. Give me a sand roll. Yeah, Jeff is gross crying. <laughs> Poor Jeff. <laughs> Alright, this is a 46, which... Hmm. Oh, exceeds 44. Oof. Alright, um... Let's go d6, sand damage. That's a 1. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> Poor choice with the d6. <laughs> yeah. Where the other d6, my guy? Yeah. Alright. Okay, uh, no chests in this room? No chests in that room. Okay, Jeff zips up the tunnel all the way back to the house. Okay, where where would there be a chest? Jeff is going to check the study room again, and this time spend more time inside. And there it is, on the southeast corner of the room, by yet another door on what should have been an exterior wall, is a chest that is most definitely locked. Jeff opens the door. Another sitting room. Jeff shuts the door. Alright, um, let's see, let's see. Chest is locked. Search the desk for a key. The desk... Anything that was once in the desk has long since rotted away. Chest needs to be opened. Uh, Jeff... Strikes a pose, points at the chest, says Yakta. No such luck. <laughs> oh gosh, okay. Um. Damn. Let's see. I really like what, that what, image what? though. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You have to have heart, right? Um. Nothing is in this desk. Uh, what time of day is it by this point? Um, by now it'd be getting close to evening. Alright, Jeff is going to move over to the telescope and look out through it. Um, you're not sure what it is, but you can't really see anything special through it at the moment. Okay. Jeff, make sure not to disturb its configuration. And then, hmm. Oh gosh. Okay, back to the chest room. Jeff is going to try and... Just wrench the thing open, I suppose. Okay. Um, do you have, like, a lockpicking skill, or are you just gonna try to strength? Jeff's locksmith skill is one. <laughs> nice. Oof. <laughs> Can I persuade the lock to open? I have 65. <laughs> you cannot. Yes, but you have a plus 45 to that. Or a minus <laughs> 65 to that, I should say. Mm, unforge, unforge. God. 
Jeff's guitar is still in the van too, so he can't like bash it open. Um. Oof. We're coming up on our next five minute pop. All right. Oh no. Um. All right. Can Jeff remember like anything heavy in any of the rooms that he's been through, besides like the telescope, which he is unwilling to move? Um. There was there were some decent sized looking pieces of stone in the room that was all rubble. Oh, oh, that's that's so good. Yeah. Okay. Back up to the third floor, a moderately sized room on the left with all the rubble that's disappearing. Yeah. So Grab as you walk in, give me a spot hidden roll. Actually. Yes, sir. That is a forty-four above my twenty-five. Okay. Yeah. Uh, you um. Don't. Oh wait. Uh, yeah. No, you don't really. Uh, you don't find anything. I mean, a good sized piece of stone, but. Can I find me? A... Okay. Is it a sharp stone? Not really. Okay. Just gonna look for a stone that a monkey could be proud of. <laughs> All right. Um. Give me another spot hidden roll at plus ten. Plus ten to my skill, or plus ten skill. to my roll. Thank you. All right. That is a 90 above my 35. All right. You end up Does wandering into the sitting area briefly. <laughs> the oh, gosh. Does not find a rock a monkey would be proud of. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Jeff is inferior to the average monkey, I suppose. All right, he's going to take his current rock then. All right. Wander over to the chest, try to bash it open. Um, give me a some form of melee skill roll. Okay. Um, At plus 20. Fighting Brawl plus 20 gives me a 45. And with a 39, I do manage it. Alright. Yeah, it takes you a couple solid swings, but you do eventually manage to break the lock. Perf. Okay, what's inside? Inside is a lump of red phosphorus, mm -hmm. a small vial labeled vitriolite, mm -hmm. another vial of water, mm -hmm. and a strange device. It's vaguely cylindrical, uh, about half a meter high, and about 20 centimeters in radius, that has some label on it that is in Greek. 20 centimeters in radius. This is a voluminous boy. Yeah. Um, Like one Greek symbol? Uh, Well, three Greek words. Greek, Greek. Oh, damn. Okay. Some high school calculus isn't going to help that, I don't think. <laughs> Sadly not. <laughs> okay, Um, how heavy is this thing? Does it look like it can be opened? Um, it doesn't look like it can be opened, but there do appear to be what almost look like jump leads, or like uh, attachments for jump cables on the top. Jump cables. Jump cables. Where is Jeff going to get electricity? Hmm. Well, all the same, he's going to grab everything in the chest and drag it down to the altar room. All right. And what does, and what do you do once there? 
okay, okay. Let's see. There has to be a hexagram with a hyperbolic star in it. All I'm gonna say is work fast. Oh gosh, something has to be etched. Um, something has to be etched. Does this does this big cylinder have any sharp corners that Jeff can etch the altar with? Oh, actually, Jeff's gonna look at the altar. Is there already an etching? Um, there is not, but there is. Oh, I say that there is a pattern in the vague shape that the journal suggested that has been carved in. But you'll remember that the exact word used was scourge. And that you were told to specifically use the sulfuric acid to do it. Right, okay. Um, can Jeff use science to like perform a suitable dilution of the sulfuric acid then? I mean, you, I'm not even going to make you roll for that. It's basically just pour the water in one thing, shake. <laughs> pour water into acid and shake? I mean, it's like, like pour water into sulfate, cap, mix. <laughs> okay, yeah, Jeff, yeah. Jeff does that. And then he's gonna um, use that and try to acid, scourge, scour, burn, etch the proper design into the altar. Yeah. Um, Alex, what skill do you think would be best used for acid etching? Um, I'm going to pause while I answer this question. Um, I would say craft instrument because that's what I have. <laughs> I think I think craft instrument is reasonable, but that it should have a negative modifier to it. Okay, that was that was what I was thinking. Alright. So yeah, give me craft instrument at minus fifteen. Okay. Jeff applies his guitar skills to this process. Guitar building skills. There we go. Yeah, he maintains his own boy. Alright. And this is a 26, which comes in under 50. Alright, you successfully acid scourged the correct pattern. I really should say, like... So, I'm I'm paused while I'm saying this, but we are, we are at the point where you might want to start talking quickly, too. Oh, of, of course. And Jeff, like, whips out the journal, turns to the page, Deus, Dolores, Touche, etc. Uh, walks around three times anti-clockwise. Um, like, splashes alcohol all over, like, the throne as well. Strangely enough, uh, nothing happens when you do that. Do you guys hear that? Is that time? Uh-oh. That is the time. As oh, no. you fail the ritual, you see this hideous black presence seeping out from the throne and the altar. It doesn't consume you immediately so much as it does take you bodily from where you watch the house, now bloated with additional rooms that were not before, extend and spread over the landscape, a landscape that becomes rotted and corrupted with the power flowing through it, and the last sight you see before having your very existence ripped asunder is of a pale, baleful light glowing from the inside of this infested house. Oh no, sad. 
All right. Very well fought, though. Ah, uh, gosh. I, I feel like I was close. If only Jeff liked languages more. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you, listeners, for tuning in to one man's ultimately doomed struggle against an alien malignance from beyond the stars. Be sure to tune in next week to see what um, not Lovecraftian horror thing we have in store. Yeah, uh, you'll be DMing next one, won't you, Derek? Yes, I will. And I believe I will be playing. That makes sense. Uh, and I think the system will be 5th edition by what our rotation currently looks like. All right, that sounds good. Awesome. Hope to see all of you next time. And Darkest Dungeons, sponsor us. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> no, that, that's a request. <laughs> that would be great. Yes, of course, of course. In addition to our three GMs, I would like to give a big thank you to Lyrica Yanoe and Casey Ahern, our editor and manager. I would also love to give a huge shout out to Dana Bulger for being our additional outside help in the editing sphere. As for our logo, if you'd like how that looks and boy is it snazzy, you can find a link in our description to the awesome artist who created it. As always, thanks for tuning in and happy adventures.